Well, central bank rate expectations continue to ratchet up, not just in the US, but across the G7, G10 curve as well. Real rates in the US go positive for the first time since 2020. Realised inflation continues to skyrocket around the world. Yet we've got equity resilience. And at the same time, the yen is getting battered from pillar to post. We talk about all these factors between Blake and I and more on the trade-off. Well, hi there, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Chris West. I'm Head of Research uh, here at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be navigating, we're going to be circling around all the landmines and the key formatics, the setups in this mad world of trading. So let's bring Blake into the program. Blake, how are you doing, my old friend? I'm doing great, Chris. And you know what? I want to say welcome back. It's good to see you. How was your trip to the wild? Mate, it was good. It was good. It was good. I mean, it's not every day that some of the uh, the neighbours come round and bring a, 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 you know, a two-foot lizard over for, for, for Easter for you to, to eat. Uh, and then the next day you drive down to Uluru and, and you see a dead camel in the middle of the road. I mean, it's these are the sort of stuff that you don't see in London and it's stuff you don't see too often in the CBD of Melbourne. And, and maybe you see that in Arizona, but uh, certainly, you know, it, it does open up your eyes to the world. And, you know, you you can't get your coffee in the morning. So it's, uh, you know, you've obviously got the wife's, um, obviously gets a bit moody in that situation. But generally speaking, it's uh, it's it's a really good place. It's glad to be back. It's glad to be talking markets again with you, Blake. Well, it's nice to have you back. And I, we're, we're really excited to have you back. And and I'm, I'm sure it was a wild trip. I, I, I can't wait to hear more about it. I'll post some pictures of the camel because, yeah, also obviously uh, you don't want to see any... Uh, Animals hurt in the process, but yeah, it was it was it was savage to it's see. To be but uh, yeah, this is the outbackers <laughs> in 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 its entirety. These are the sort of stuff you don't see well, in Melbourne every day. Well, but mate, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's a lot to get through as we always do, and it's great to be uh, to talk in all these markets. I could talk camels all day long with you, Blake. To be honest, but let's get into it. Let's go into topical thunder. You know, one of the, the aspects that we talk about with central bank raising rates and about to go on this embarking of an aggressive policy cycle, we've already seen that from, from the Canadians. The Fed have already raised rates once. The Bank of England are doing it. The one that's getting left behind, of course, is the Bank of Japan, so much so that, you know, uh, the Japanese yen, which has really just come onto the radar, no one's been talking about it for so long, is now the, cu the currency that every single person's talking about in effect circles, rate circles. You know, when will the Bank of Japan um, end its, its yield curve control target of 25 basis points? Will they have to move down to, a, say, a five-year uh, uh, five part of the curve? What could be the impacts if they release that? Could you see this flood of selling yields move up and then you see this massive spike in the Japanese yen? Could we see a situation where the disdain for this weakness we've been seeing in the Japanese yen um, means that we see intervention from the Ministry of Finance. Uh, one thing's clear, though, the Japanese yen is getting left behind by every country uh, currency. It's getting battered from pillar to post. Um, it's difficult. I mean, uh, yeah, what's your view? I'll, I'll ask you a two-pronged question. First of all, what's your view on action either from the Bank of Japan or the Ministry of Finance in, to directly intervene? And ultimately, what's your short-term view on the Japanese yen here? Well, as far as intervention goes, I, I'm not too sure that we are quite there yet. Correct. But I think from a verbal intervention standpoint, this 125 to 130 level, yep. you're at a high risk sure. uh, place right now. And as you know, Chris, when 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 everybody's got their attention on that one asset class, no matter what it is, 
that's the time when you st- you have to start getting a little nervous. It's interesting. Just yesterday, I received multiple emails with people citing CFTC data at yen at at ridiculous levels of uh, you know of uh, being sold. Then then we've got uh, we've got the number of days I, I read in uh, in a research piece from Brent. Yeah, the, yeah, about like the number of days that the it, it's the jet the the dollar yen's been up. Yeah. No, it's been up so many days, more than like 50 years, more than I've been alive, more years than I've been alive. So when it's on everybody's radar like that, you got to get a little nervous. Plus, uh, technically, I started seeing a lot of big technical levels come into view. My chart of the day yesterday was actually for that that I post just freely on on our blog. Yeah. Was the was the sterling yen or the guppy, better known as the guppy. And uh, and, it, and it hit that and reversed just like right on cue. But you know, I, I have to say, I have actually tried to fade this move a couple of different times, and I've been wrong. You yeah. know, I've been doing it small, so I've been wrong. But we're getting to levels now that people have their their radar. It's it's on everybody's radar. So what what do you think? But I, I think you're right on the verbal intervention. I think if we were to get, I mean, they've 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 already started to show their disdain. Not just the the Bank of Japan, but also the the you know, the finance minister, Mr. Suzuki, as well, coming out and talking about the disdain for 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 bad yen weakness. I don't think they can justify it, to be honest, mate. I don't. I really don't think they can. The, the yen deserves to be smashed, not just from a policy perspective, from a terms of trade perspective. Um, I think we consolidate here, but I think the yen deserves to be weak. I think we're a long way. Um, from intervention myself. There could be some changes to the yield curve control policy, which could be coming maybe even as early as next week. Put that on your radar, that Bank of Japan meeting. But the chance of actually buying Japanese yen in the market from the Ministry of Finance, yeah, it's a long, long way away from me at the moment. So I, I, I will be looking for pullbacks in dollar yen, CAD yen, you know, those kind of things to to, to resume an uptrend in this policy, uh, policy situation. And I couldn't agree more, Chris. And I know we need to move on to the dollar index, but I have to say, I can't, I can't, I don't really have a good argument to be long yen for a long period of time, right. other than some sort of tactical move that might last a day or two. Exactly. So anyway, let's turn our attention actually to the uh, dollar index. And, and the question I have, and I know this is kind of like, um, we have to talk about the dollar. It's like, <laughs> it's commonplace on the show and we have to mention it every week, but the dollar index, you know, can we hold above a hundred in the dollar index? And I think, a big part of this move in the dollar index has been the dollar yen. So it, we, we can parlay right in this conversation. But, you know, I, I'm starting to look at rates. And I think that, you know, when you're talking yields, yields look like they might actually have found some sort of near term top. And I'm not saying that yields can't go higher. I'm just saying in the near term, that looks like a risk. You know, you got the dollar yen stalling ahead of the big 130 level where everybody's like, oh, here comes the verbal intervention. Then you look at the euro, the euro is holding well above 108 and 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 it's not getting pounded as many would expect. The cable's holding 130. I mean, all the pieces seem like they're kind of coming together at this point. And you look at the Aussie and I could throw in the Aussie and the Kiwi at the same time. You know, those actually are starting to stabilize after a nice pullback. Are we ready for the dollar to pull back as a whole? What are your thoughts here, Chris? Well, we've seen it in bearish engulfing on the daily. Have a look at the dollar index on the back of that. So, yeah, maybe that we see some follow through and, and, and people may be watching this and we obviously may get the next candle to see that. But in the session we've just seen, we've seen a, an engul- a bearish engulfing. And, and the bears need to push this back through to the former breakout level. Uh, and that's something we are watching now. Obviously, I think a lot of that would be determined not just on positioning. Um, the world is quite long of dollars, but I think as well... Um, 
you know, we need to see something better times in the euro. Now, look, we talked about this last week. We talked about euro dollar quite extensively last week, um, and we we thought that well, I, I personally thought that there might be some some further strength in in so further weakness. Uh, sorry, further strength in the euro. Um, but you know, we've Christine seen Lagarde that, left us hanging, right? Well, we've Again. seen yeah, the market's pricing in about fourteen basis points of hikes uh, for the, for the June meeting. Uh, sorry for the July meeting, and I think that seems about fair at the moment. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, I think yields are, are really essential now. If you see bond yields um, certainly in the front end come lower as with people coming and buying, we see a little bit of rate expectations coming out. Then then I think the dollar's got downside. But there's still a lot of attractions uh, for the dollar in this market, and 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 therefore you, I don't think you're going to see much of a clap. But remember, the dollar index is 57% weighted towards euro dollar. It'd be interesting, Blake. I mean, I don't know what you guys are looking at in the in in um, in the US, but you know. If Macron wins the the French election quite easily this weekend, if um, you know, do you see any kind of gapping risk in in um, in euro dollar? Maybe the dollar index pulls a little bit lower on the back of that. Do, what, do, have you got Have you got that French election on your radar for Monday morning? I, I do, but I don't. I don't think I, I'm trying to figure out why the euro would actually rally a little bit, and maybe we get a little bit of a, a gap. Relief, I guess I think people are going to sell right into it. The euro has been trading heavy. I still believe it's all. Ukraine and Russia, and we might be in the latter stages of this conflict, at least in the near term. And maybe that's the reason why the euro gets off the floor. I, I don't know. Watch, um, watch dollar CNH, dollar yeah, uh, dollar yuan. If dollar yuan pushes higher, um, I think that that will be a supporting mechanism for for, for the dollar more broadly. So, you know, we don't tend to trade it because it's you know, the spreads are a little bit wider on dollar CNH. But uh, you know, if the dollar does rally against the the Chinese yuan, you are going to see, in my opinion, you know, the dollar stabilise. And and I think actually the short term um, dollar dollar yen as well. You know, that that's dictating flows against the Antipodeans as well. So interesting one there as well. Now we want to talk about resilience, and I want to talk about U.S. equity markets because. You know, if you go and have a look at the AAII, the investor survey that comes through, you know, we've never, I don't think we've ever seen um, sentiment towards US equities as pessimistic as we've seen here. Um, you know, you can talk about, you know, geopolitical issues, you know, rising inflation, rising inflation expectations, real rates, which I've been talking about, have gone positive, or at least they briefly went positive. Um, yeah, we're in the midst of earnings season at the moment. We've seen you know, a couple of companies like Netflix coming out with awful numbers. Netflix, I want to talk about in a second. I mean, how does a stock drop 35%? You know, is the news there on subscribers material? Could they have de 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 detailed that before? But all of these factors that we've been seeing, you know, a slowdown in economy, you know, people talking about inversion of the year. And yet you've got the S&P down, what, 5 or 6% for the year? The ASX here in Australia is actually positive. That's crazy. Um, yeah, the Nasdaq's down about fourteen percent. European equities are looking strong at the moment. Um, but yeah, given all those multitudes of factors, sentiment, you could easily argue that these equity markets should be much lower than where they are at the moment. So why is that not happening? I, you know, Chris, I I'm telling you, one of the other the other things is, and I do feel that yields have peaked near term. You reckon? And if they if this start to come down, that's also going to give us another tailwind for the for the markets as well and and you're right they are super resilient and you 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 take a look at netflix i mean the is it a value play i mean we were talking before the we turn turn on the camera it's a short seller's play <laughs> i get well i guess it is a short seller's play but at what point do value investors come in and say look i'm going to be putting some away for the long term i don't think netflix is going anywhere i've been you know i've been a subscriber of netflix since the 90s uh, me personally mm. and uh when i used to get dvds from them i mean you know I, I know their business and i know they've been around for a while i don't think they're going anywhere and i think that is the future of 
of media is going to be, you know, live streaming like that. And I, I still think we're there into the future already, but it's going to continue to be that way. But, you know, you look at some of these names that have been, been beaten up. I think people are going to start finding value down at these levels. Is it enough though, Chris? And I guess this is the question I'm going to throw back to you. Is it enough, enough to, for, to take us to all time highs that I don't believe. How about you? What do no, you think? I don't about think that? so as well. I mean, I, I still think, you know, there's still so much to digest. This market's chopping around now, if you, especially if the S and P in that situation, one thing that really springs out here, mate, and I agree with you on yields. I think the market is looking forward and saying we've priced in a lot of rate hikes. Now the market's not gone down. Markets have been well hedged using optionality. The options market is not expecting any kind of major tail, tail risks. If you have a look at the uh, the put skews that are coming through in the moment. But look at earnings, Blake. You know, earnings haven't really come down. We've got, what, $2.48 for, for the S&P earnings for next year. You know, it hasn't come down. Earnings have not come down through this whole cycle. And unless you actually saw earnings being revised markedly down because of everything we've been seeing, I think the equity market's being held up. And credit spreads Credit spreads haven't widened dramatically either, and the equity market's always going to look at that. So we can talk about sentiment, we can talk about all these various factors, but uh, you know, I think a lot of it's priced in. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we chopped around in equity markets. Where's the leadership coming from? We need leadership uh, to take. Yeah, as much I don't see any leadership, and I think that's the I, situation. I'm, I'm, I'm still looking towards ca Captain Kangaroo. I'm Actually, sitting in the chop uh, camp. I'm sitting in the chopper. I reckon we chop. I reckon it's a range traders <laughs> market in the short term. Me too. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, I hate it when we agree so much. <laughs> so let's move on. Let's go. Let's talk crude. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, I like it. But, you know, for uh, for TV, maybe. Right. Um, but let's talk <laughs> about crude oil. Crude oil is holding above 100 and it's, it's maintaining its gains here. You know, that dip to 93. That was the bottom. I thought we were actually going to get to 89. And I was looking to scoop up some some WTI down there. But we held 93. It, it, it's it's really strong. We're consolidating. We got the driving season coming up. We got summer demand. You know, I, I'm assuming demand's going to continue to drive us higher at this point. But the fact of the matter is, we're not backing off, even despite all of President Biden's efforts to try to try to you know weaken gas prices. Whatever the case may be, crude is maintaining its gains and it's consolidating its gains. So how do you feel about crude oil at current levels, Chris? Are you a buyer? Do you think we're going to new highs? What do you do? Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I think the the, the geopolitical news news headlines around um, the Europeans shying away from, from Russian um, imports continues to be a prevalent and, and a supporting mechanism through there. Um, yeah, we continue to watch happens in, what's happening in, in, the, in the headlines, what's happening in inventories. Um, I've never really been a big fan of the driving season, to be honest. I mean, I, I think it's pretty old school that Americans get up and just start driving around. And but yeah, I, I think with that, with the the, the uh, you, 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 you've got something to say. Go on, say it. I do, but but let me let me say something about this because actually, you know, ourselves, our family, we're searching around for for tickets for you know for our trips this summer. Our tickets the, for places that we were looking at four times, three to four times what they cost yeah. last year. Yeah. So how many how many families go? You know what? I'm I'm not going to spend five thousand dollars on plane tickets. I'm just going to drive somewhere. No, I don't. I say I say it like the Indian wedding wedding season and, and the support for gold. To be honest, I think yeah, people people love to reel it out around that sort of time. So gold's up because of Indian wedding season. I mean, I I, I, I see other sort of factors playing for it. But your point's valid. I mean, I, you know, I, I I don't doubt that it, it could really impact the, the demand side of things when the structurally, if you have a look at the curve. 
Um, the, the futures curve, it's still very much backdated, yeah. and and it's, yeah, there's a supply shortage coming through there as well. So, what do I like to do with gold, uh, with, with, with oil? I mean, I, I still think there's a, there's a good dip to be had, and people are looking to buy pullbacks. They're looking to buy weakness. If you have a look at that futures curve, people are incentivized to be long. You know, you hold the futures contract, you you wait for them put the contract to expire, you get the carry from that position, and until they can actually change that, um, I, I don't think OPEC are going to do much around that. Now, but Biden obviously flooding. Um, you know, releasing strategic reserves. People are, are very much against that. Chi Girl was against that situation. You know, what happens when, when America really need those reserves coming forward? But what I think is, is, is really good about that situation is, is, is you bring supply to the front end of the contract, you lower the curve, you reduce the incentive to be long, um, but it hasn't happened. I still think, I, I still like buying, buying weakness in, in crude, um, but I don't think we're ready to start bull trending yet. What do you think? All right, I'm going to be driving. <laughs> so crude's going higher. Just kidding. Just kidding. kidding. So you're a bull anyway. Let's let's have a look. Let's have, let's have a look at some of the charts and let's go to that's a setup. Well, I talked about uh, what was going on U.S. equity markets. Uh, the first one I bring up is the S&P 500 or US, uh, US, uh, US 500. We've got that red horizontal line, um, which sort of marks, uh, you know, the high back that we saw back in February. Um, we, we tested that with pretty much to the T uh, and we sold off. I mean, I, you know, you can see that that blue sort of squared box that we've got up there. I was hoping for a little bit of a, a pushback into that level where we saw the failed break back in, 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 in late March uh, for shorting opportunities into sort of that, that mixture of that yellow line and the 61.8% retracement of that level. I was looking for levels, you know, for a little bit of a squeeze higher uh, for, for better shorting opportunities into that situation because I think that's where people will be looking forward, especially as we get into some of these, um, you know, the central bank meetings, especially as we get into inflation numbers coming forward. You know, have inflation peaked? I think that's something that the equity market is still looking for. I was really hoping to get a move into 45.60 uh, to, to look at shorting opportunities. We still need to get through 40, uh, that red line there um, to take us through. So it's a bit of a messy situation situation, but I do really you know, want to look at what's happening in US equities as a central guide at the moment. Um, you know, do I look to short now uh, or do I look for those shorts into 45.60? That's the situation uh, that we've got on that market there. So that's something that we're going to be reacting to in the session ahead. What's your thoughts there? My, my thoughts are, are pretty much like yours. If we can get above that 200-day moving average, which comes in right around 4,500, and by the way, that is the 50% or you know retracement. I, it's not a FIB level. It's just a 50% back of that entire last move lower. If we get above there around 4,500, anywhere between there to 4,600, I myself, I'll be looking to sell risk, but I still think that we are in a range environment as we talked earlier. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I think, you know, this is a trader's market. And so you have to be looking to fade strength and buy weakness. And, yeah. and in this case, we had a nice little dip. We held the 618 retracement. We dipped and we held the like nice fib level. We've bounced back and now it looks like we're going to trade back above the 200-day moving average and give us sellers another opportunity to sell. I will say one thing. Look at the VIX. You know, the VIX is pushing 20%. People are vol sellers at the moment. We're going into earnings season. If those earnings start coming in better, I know we've seen Tesla's numbers. I know we've seen, um, you know, what we've been seeing with, with Netflix, but Netflix doesn't make tech. Um, if, if we see vol sellers coming in and VIX pushes below 20%, realize vol come down, that's going to bring new capital in. That could get me into that 45.60, potentially with better earnings as well. So something very much keen to watch out there. Awesome. All right, well, let's take it over to the... Zar she blows. Oh, okay. 
But you're killing me on the headlines. These headlines, you're, you're, <laughs> you know, they just come to me, man. It's part of being a dad. As long as I've been a dad, you just come up with you these things. You can't work at a tabloid, oh, <laughs> tabloid paper. <laughs> they get worse as you get older. I guarantee you that. Anyway, I, hey, look, I'm looking to pick up the Rand, and and I've played the Rand quite a bit in recent in recent years. The volatility that we get in these emerging market currencies are great. The one thing that I have to I have to mention is even as we've had this minor sell-off in, in equities, as you pointed out, you know, off the highs, not very much, but even with the NASDAQ retreating 20% at one point, the, 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 you know, whether you're talking about the RAND or the PESO, those currencies really should have gotten beaten up, but they haven't. They've been holding a bid tone. So I think with the RAND right up against its 200-day moving average, right up against this trend line, right up against the 38% retracement. By the way, from a Fibonacci standpoint, if we can just hold that level, this thing looks like it's going to turn lower and we can start buying some czars. She blows. So, Chris, what are your thoughts about the U.S. dollar rand? Yeah, well, if we, if we do see a, a, a universal, you know, last night we were just seeing the U.S. dollar sell off against all currencies, and I think it was it was it was predominantly led by the dollar weakening off against the Japanese yen and the sort of Fed free. So, if we do see a continuation of that, then dollars dollar dollar SAF is going to you know. It's gonna it's gonna come under pressure in that situation. Yeah, you know, the SAFA still has good carry. We like that. But what I like about this is 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 you've got your levels to look at. You know, you don't immediately, in my opinion, just leave limit orders at those levels unless you're looking at scalps, for example. But I like to yeah. look at them. The markets hit those levels. Now we want to see how price reacts there. We take the time frame in to a much lower time frame. We've got it. We've got that uh, the 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 you know, the, the, the sell off from from those levels. We've got that the confluence of the two hundred day moving average. We've got the the downtrend that was kicked in. If we see the sellers kick in now, we take that time frame down, and that acceleration of selling continues or kicks in. You know, I'll take that in as a momentum trade. So I really like that idea of of having a guide by which to work with. If the selling accelerates, um, then I'll be jumping on that one there. So great setup to look at. Obviously, price action. Is is key, but uh, yeah, if the, if the selling accelerates from that point, jump on board as a momentum trade there as well. Now, one I have, yeah, I want to take that away, and one that we like is is, is momentum trading. Obviously, with different strategies, you can look at mean reversion, you can look at um, you know trend following, you can look at momentum. Yeah, there's all different types of ways of trading in this market. But if we have a look at corn. Um, yeah, one of the, the trends that we've been seeing, obviously, there's a big fundamental story that, that's come through as a result of what's happening in, in that gas and the whole sort of energy space and, and ethanol and, and corn's usage on that. You can have a look at what's happening in Peru, for example. Their output is is on absolute decline, 40% lower than, than expectations. And yeah, go across what's happening in corn output in the US as well. There's a fundamental story that's seeing corn trade above $8. Now, this was the big race, wasn't it? It was, it was corn against Nat gas. Who was going to be the first to wear an eight handle on this? But when we're looking at momentum strategies, you know the idea of buying high and selling high. You know, body in motion stays in motion. Uh, body in motion stays in motion. Corn now is really the uh, you know the, the the epicenter of my world in that situation. You know, we've looked at trades around this um, throughout this year. Um, and we've looked at Palladium. I think was one that we've put on our radar. Um, but is this ready to kick on? It feels like for me that this was. I could put the Bollinger Bands on there and see them widening, but it's holding that five-day exponential moving average. If this kicks, I'm on for this one. I know spreads are a bit wider on some products like this, but you know the capital gains that you can get on these can be pretty good as well. And it's an extensive trade, um, but you know for me as a momentum strategy, Blake, I, I think this one has to be on your radar. There, what do you think? 
You know, I looked at the longer term charts of, of corn, Chris, and this is a big what you what you don't see on your screen right here. That's the handle of a big cup and handle that, that's been handles. building since like May of of last year. That is a huge move. And, I, I, you know, to be honest, I, it's not something that I hope we see, because if, if if corn is moving up in that type of fashion, there's other commodities that are going to be following suit mm. and it's going to it's going to weigh heavily on the consumer yeah. and, and months ahead. But I'm not going to deny the fact that while it's above, you know, the, the, the eight handles you pointed out around 780 or so, it is bullish and yeah. and it's in a breakout situation and it doesn't look like one to be faded no. and so as you pointed out you know this is a strong momentum type of play yeah i mean this could kick so, on and it could run i mean it's not great for the human race to be honest to see corn doing this situation we talk about food crisis and various factors ethanol and all these factors it is really important to, to keep this one um yeah i mean it, it's one but yeah if this kicks on it could really go so yeah i think everyone should have this on the radar at the moment all right. Well, I'm going to take us over to the NASDAQ 100. And, you know, as I as I've mentioned to you, Chris, I'm I'm in the camp that yields have peaked at least near term. Right. Like we're going to see them pull back a little bit and they, they'll probably consolidate their gains, you know, well above the two handle on a 10 year, probably like a two, 250, 240. But anyway, if they if that pressure eases off a little bit, that's going to give a little tailwind to the NASDAQ. And I'm showing you the NASDAQ 100 that. Uh, and I specifically have this drawn as an inverted head and shoulder pattern. However, I will not play it as an inverted head and shoulder pattern. I pointed it out because I think that's poor technical analysis. Anybody who knows the way that I read charts know that a inverted head and shoulder pattern is after a prolonged downtrend. That is not something that we've had. They're actually long-term reversal patterns. The reason why that setup looks good is because people have been just parlaying a, a, a 12, 13 year bull market now. So inverted head and shoulder patterns still look good to the upside, but I think the market dynamics have actually changed enough where it doesn't matter. But that doesn't mean that it's not a buying opportunity down here. And I think we could reach for that 200 day moving average around the 15,200, somewhere in that neighborhood. Once again, what are your thoughts about the NASDAQ here? Well, I think the inverted head and shoulders, we talked about that on Sterling Aussie last week, didn't we? And, you know, that had a bit of a move higher. It's come back now and it's, it's testing that neckline once again. So it's, it's, it's a trade that we still think we should should have on the radar when you're looking at that yeah. pattern in isolation. I still think that if that rallies from here, Sterling Aussie could be an interesting one, but, you know, that's one for the radar. Um, I, I, I think you you bang on um, about what's happening in yields. But I look, within the composition of the NASDAQ, I'm just trying to work out where the leadership come from. Well, obviously, we're not going to get it from Netflix. Um, you know, Tesla came out with some pretty good numbers after the market. You know, that stock was up up 5% in the after hours, but it hasn't, you know, we're not seeing 15%. We need Microsoft. We need your Apples. You need your NVIDIAs to come back in and really find a mojo uh, for that to come. Now, I think that may come from a situation where you see a risk-off move from markets and tech suddenly becomes that safe haven play again. Um, But I'm not sure we're going to see that anytime soon. So it's difficult for me with those mega cap stocks uh, which need to really fire up to see it break back above that neckline of the inverted head and shoulders to see where the leadership's coming. If someone can tell me where that where that leadership's going to come from in the Nasdaq, I'd love to hear it. Leave a comment because uh, I think that's that's really where where are we going to get the, the big catalyst to see equity upside in in a big way? I think that's a, that's a really good talking point. I'd love to hear your comments out there as well. Anyway, let's go to uh, let's go to play of the day.
Right, I'm going to bring up a very cheeky little pairs trade. Um, there's a few different, <laughs> there's a few long short strategies that look really good at the moment. I think for me, um, you know, I, I like the idea. Actually, just to, to, to sort of just chuck some cold water in your face, um, I like the idea of being short um, the Dow. Sorry, being long the Dow, uh, short the Nasdaq as a pairs trade. I think those trades look good. I like the idea of being long the materials uh, ETF. Um, the XLB and against the SPY. I think that looks pretty good at the moment. Um, but one I've got here is Berkshire Hathaway against ARK Innovation. Um, we've talked about this one before. Uh, it had a bit of a, a pullback, had a really nice rally. We've seen it pull back to that sort of five ratio. So what I've effectively done is got Berkshire Hathaway, this idea of quality, uh, value. And I've just divided that by ARK Innovation, which is the, the pedigree of everything that's you know, high beta effectively. And what you can see is when that's going up, it's showing you that Berkshire Hathaway is outperforming um, ARK Innovation. Now, ARK Innovation should get a bit of a bid in the session ahead because they're very uh, heavily long Tesla and Tesla should rally. But I think this one goes higher. So I like in this situation, the trend is your friend. Uh, I get the backdrop in this situation. I think like I think being long Berkshire Hathaway, being short ARK Innovation as a long short pairs trade, I think will continue to work quite nicely in there as a momentum strategy. All right. Well, as I'm wiping the water off of my face, Chris, uh, as you threw it on my face, Sorry, let's go ahead and take a look at the yields. And I told you guys, I'm actually looking for a little bit of a reversal. This is actually a completion of an inverted head and shoulder pattern. I know we talked a lot about it today, but take a look at that head and shoulder pattern, the inverted one that it actually has completed. Now, just because a pattern completes does not mean it's an automatic short reverse, you, you, you look to reverse, but there's a confluence of technical levels. So not only did we complete as we approach that 3% level, we have an 88% retracement on the 10 year. Um, that's from the uh, October, 2018 highs all the way down to the March, 2020 lows. We're, we're at a 261% golden fib extension of that last shoulder. So therefore, I think that these yields have peaked. So therefore, we can actually start to look to uh, buy some of the tenure, maybe some ZN contracts. Uh, for those of you that trade in the futures market like I do, start looking for, for short-term trades, trading the tenure to the long side, looking for yields to come down. You can, do, you can do, you can do that my... for the ETF side of things. We offer the IEF in that situation if you want to express it uh, in that as well. So that's another way to look at that. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want I want everyone out there to have a little think and 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 come back with with some some of their suggestions in the comments. Bank of Japan intervention. What's your views on that? Are we going to see currency intervention? Are we going to see them change the yield curve control target? What's your view on the Japanese yen? What's your view on commodity prices at these levels? Are we going to consolidate? What's your view on the dollar in that situation as well? And ultimately, we talked about why, where's that leadership going to come through that really drives these equity markets higher? There's a lot of questions that Blake and I don't know the answer to all this situation. I know some of you have got some strong opinions from. I'd love to hear from you as well. So leave your comments I in. I was going to say, I got a question, um, how, and let us know how uh, how large lizard tastes like, if you could guess that. <laughs> well, it, was, it, so. was, it, was, it was delicious, mate. Uh, Easter eggs are better, but, you know, <laughs> lizard's good. Anyway, look, um, yeah, good good to have you all on board. If anyone's still watching the show now, just hit the like button where you can. We'd appreciate it. Leave your comments where you can as well, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you back next week.